Welcome to the Redeemer East Harlem podcast. We pray this message leads you both to know and show the love of Christ in all areas of life. We will now dive into our scripture reading, followed by this week's message. Good morning. Today, God speaks to us from Psalm 136. I will be reading in Spanish. Den gracias al Señor porque Él es bueno, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Den gracias al Dios de dioses, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Den gracias al Señor de los señores, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al único que hace grandes maravillas, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que con inteligencia hizo los cielos, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que expandió la tierra sobre las aguas, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que hizo las grandes lumbreras, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al el sol para gobernar el día, su gran amor perdura para siempre. La luna y las estrellas para gobernar la noche, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que hirió a los primogénitos de Egipto, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que sacó de Egipto a Israel, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Con mano poderosa y brazo extendido, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que partió en dos el mar rojo, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Y por medio hizo cruzar a Israel, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Pero hundió en el mar rojo al faraón y a su ejército, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que guió a su pueblo por el desierto, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que hirió de muerte a grandes reyes, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que reyes poderosos les quitó la vida, su gran amor perdura para siempre. A Sihón, el rey amorreo, su gran amor perdura para siempre. A Og, el rey de Bazán, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Cuyas tierras entregó para, por herencia, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Como herencia para su siervo Israel, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que nunca nos olvida aunque estemos humillados, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que nos libró de nuestros adversarios, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Al que alienta a todo ser viviente, su gran amor perdura para siempre. Den gracias al Dios de los cielos, su gran amor perdura para siempre. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you. Um, Hey, so AV team, I'm hearing like a buzzing. It feels like robots are talking to me. It's in my head. Oh, Lord, help us all. Um, so just FYI. By the way, I love the AV team. I always feel bad because the only time you notice AV team is something, when something's not quite going right. And so just give a thanks and a big hand for our AV team. They're doing a great job up there. Still there, that's all right. I, I, can't, I wish I could tell where it's coming from, but it's all right. We'll power through. The robots need Jesus too, I guess. So uh, so if you've been around Redeeming East Harlem long enough, you've probably heard me say this, but I keep saying it. I actually just said this at the last study in the Bible class last Sunday, but I keep saying this because it's an idea that I find myself coming back to time and time again. And what I say is this, uh, the moment you step out of this room and you step into the street, you're going to be stepping into the stream of a story that you're telling yourself 
to make sense of your life. You step out of this room into a greater story, and it's a story that you use when you face hardships and difficulties. It's the story you tell yourself to help you overcome. When you're finding yourself succeeding or doing well, it's a story you tell yourself to boost yourself up. You step into a story because there's no other way for you to make sense of your life than by telling yourself a story. So for some of you, your story might be something like the success story. So this is kind of like the American dream story. Uh, maybe you grew up here, you didn't grow up with a lot, you had a lot to overcome but because of your hard work, because of your intelligence, because of all these different factors, you overcame great obstacles and now you are experiencing success. And this is the story that you tell yourself. So when you face an obstacle, you tell yourself this story to help yourself overcome. Or for others of you, uh, your story is maybe a little bit more of a creative story to say, I grew up in a very traditional home where a lot of creativity was looked down on a little bit stifled. I had to break out of that traditional environment and either I came to New York or I found a different community here in New York City where I could find and discover who I am and express myself to this world and to offer the gift of my creativity towards others. Thank you. Hey. But that's the story you tell yourself. That's how you narrate your life to yourself. That's how you make sense of it. For others of you, Maybe it's a little bit more of a martyr story to say nothing has ever come easy for me. I was always the one in my family asked to sacrifice for the good of others. And because I love others, I will gladly do it. But my entire life is always filled with hardship for the good of other people. Whatever your story is, and it's an interesting exercise, by the way, to try to excavate the story that you subconsciously tell yourself continually. And the reason that I mention that is a really great way to explain what it means to follow Jesus is to say that Jesus is re-narrating that inner story of your life. That you're no longer using the story of the American dream. You're no longer using the story of the creator. You're no longer using the story of the martyr. But it's now the story of Jesus that re-narrates your life. So the moment you step out of this door and into the sidewalk, the moment you put your earbuds in, you're being swept into some kind of story. But here's the thing that I've added this week. Because I've thought about it, it's not just that you're telling yourself a story all the time to make sense of your life. You also are playing in your mind and in your heart the soundtrack that goes with your story. That there's a music in your ears, there's a song playing in your heart that causes that story to come alive. Now some of you might actually have a song that you consider your soundtrack of life. But even if you can't name that song, there's something in you, there's a soundtrack. The moment you put those earbuds in and you walk down the street on the sidewalk, you've immersed yourself again in a self-narrated story with a soundtrack that stirs your soul for the life you feel you're called to live. In many respects, I think the book of Psalms, which is a book that we've been looking at this entire year, is not only the story that's meant to re-narrate your life. The book of Psalms is the soundtrack that's supposed to be playing in the Christian's mind and in the Christian's heart. So this entire sermon series has been called The Grand Narrative, where we've been looking at the story of the Bible and the Psalms, but what we hope you're discovering is that this is not just the, bi the story of the book that you're reading in front of you. This is the story that you find yourself stepping into as you walk out into life. These are the songs that begin to cause your heart to sing, that become the soundtrack of your soul. Today, we, or we, up until now, we've looked at God, creation. Last week, we looked at the fall. And today, we're looking at redemption. 
And to look at redemption, we're going to be looking at Psalm 136, which is a beautiful psalm. Uh, read beautifully to us in Spanish. I feel like I can almost say his love endures forever in Spanish now. <laughs> I was like, should I try? And I'm like, nah, do you want to embarrass yourself? But that repetition is part of the beauty of that psalm. This Psalm 136 is a fascinating psalm. It's traditionally called the Great Hallel. Hallel is a Hebrew word. You might recognize it from the word hallelujah. Uh, the Great Hallel is the great praise. And it's one of the greatest psalms in the entire life of Israel. It's often sung at the opening of every Shabbat. Uh, it is sung during the great pilgrim festivals where Israel and, its, and uh, Israel's descendants were commanded a journey back to Jerusalem, no matter where they are, uh, to bring sacrifices. It was also the song that ended uh, every single Passover meal. It was the great praise, the great halal. This song, maybe more than any other psalm, is the soundtrack the title song of the story of God's people. So let's look at that together. Uh, I'm going to use three headings to kind of move us through this passage. First, we're going to look at this as a song of rescue. Secondly, we'll look at the echoes of love. And then thirdly, we'll look at the love that endures forever. Okay, so the song of rescue, the echoes of love, and the love that endures forever. So first, the song of rescue. So let me go back to that opening idea. If I were to ask you, if you were going to pick a soundtrack for the story of your life, what song would that be? And again, some of you may have an answer to that, but even if you don't have a specific song, what kind of song would be the soundtrack of your life? What kind of song plays the music of the story of your life? What would that ballad be about? Well, my guess would be something like this. It would be, it would be a song that talked about everything that you face in your life. Each verse would talk about a different chapter in your life, and it would be a story about all the things that you faced, maybe some of the mistakes that you made, maybe some of the difficulties, but it would highlight all the ways that you became victorious over them. All of your accomplishments, all of your victories, all the ways that you grew in the face of all these difficulties. And in fact, that's what every soundtrack is essentially like. If you think back to the old Greek ballads, so think back to like the myths, Prometheus or Perseus, what were those stories? Those were stories of great national heroes that overcame these great obstacles and by their strength, by their ability, by their ingenuity, achieved something that was utterly remarkable. You even think about the Roman epics. You think about Odysseus and you think about uh, Achilles or Agamemnon, the story of the Iliad and the Odyssey. These epics were stories of national heroes, giants of that nation, that culture's history. They were stories that sang the anthem of the glories of a people. I was actually watching a brief quick clip this week of Trevor Noah being interviewed by Stephen Colbert. And he was talking about how he's been, not been in the U.S. for a long time. He's traveling across the world. And one of the things that he's noticed about being outside of the U.S. and that he loves about the U.S. now is that he loves the American national anthem. He said, the American national anthem is, a, is the anthem that goes hardest of all the other anthems, he says. So there is no other anthem where you have bombs bursting in the air. But what Trevor Noah was picking up on is that even in our national anthem, it's a story, it's a song that narrates the glory of who we are as a people. And so what would your ballad be? What's the song that you sing to yourself in those moments of self-doubt, maybe? In those moments of concern or fear or anxiety, what's the song that you sing to yourself? What's the story that you tell yourself? 
If you look at Psalm 136, you know what's odd about this psalm as a soundtrack of God's people? This is not a song of strength or victory or triumph or glory. This is a song of rescue. This is not a song that narrates Israel's historic, uh, heroic feats. It's not a song that lays out all the victories that Israel won because of their own strength or ingenuity. What's interesting is in this Psalm 136, the great Hallel, Moses is not even mentioned in the entire song. King David is not mentioned once in the entire song. Psalm 136, what is it? It's a song of Israel's helplessness. It's a song of rescue. Let me read to you starting in verse 10. So if you wouldn't mind pulling up the screen there. Let me read this to you and just take note of this. This is a song of rescue. It says, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever, and brought Israel up out from, uh, from among them, his love endures forever, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. Verse 14. Uh, and brought out Israel from the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the great kings, his love endures forever. Verse 18. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Shihon, the king of the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan, he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance for a servant Israel. Verse 23, we're almost there. He remembered us in our lowest state. That word lowest state in the Hebrew is in our humiliation. And he freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Did you notice every single line was a line of Israel facing its own helplessness, needing a God who will come and rescue. It's not a song of national greatness. If anything, it's a song of national humiliation. That the song of redemption in the Bible, the song that's meant to be the soundtrack of the Christian life, the song that's meant to be in your Spotify wrapped, metaphorically speaking, to narrate your life, is a song of your helplessness. It's a song of the many times you needed someone to rescue you because of the trouble you got yourself into and you could not get yourself out. It is a radically different soundtrack for the human soul. Is that the song that's playing in your heart and in your mind? Here's a great example of that. Uh, John Newton, who lived in the late 1700s, was a slave trader. He was very deeply involved in the transatlantic slave, uh, slave trade. And at some point in his life, he becomes a Christian. And after becoming a Christian, many, many years later, he said to his shame, it took him many years even after becoming a Christian to come to the realization that slavery was wrong. But John Newton, he becomes a Christian. His entire life is transformed. And he's probably most famous now, not only as a pastor and preacher, but he's probably most famous as a hymn writer. And John Newton, I think, wrote one song that was meant to be the ballad of his life. There was one song that in many respects, I think, is the soundtrack of his soul. And do you know what that song is? It's Amazing Grace. I told myself I wouldn't cry, but I could feel it coming on. 
Amazing. This is the soundtrack of it. This is the song that he used to narrate the story of his life. Listen to the lyrics of Amazing Grace, remembering that. He writes this, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <clears throat> the older I get, I cry at nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let me try that again. <clears throat> Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Isn't that word offensive? It's a lot like this word in verse 23 where it says, Israel, you met us in our humiliation. You saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Verse 3, and through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'is grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. There's not a single mention of the heroics of John Newton. It's a song that sings. It's a ballad that sings of a great love that came to rescue him. Because he knew he could never rescue himself. It's a song of rescue. Not a song of your victories. And this is the most crucial point when it comes to Christianity and the story of redemption. What Christianity tells you is like what no other religion, no other philosophy, no other approach of life will ever tell you. What Christianity tells you is that your salvation, your redemption is not something you could ever earn for yourself. It's nothing that you can achieve. It can only be received as a gift. Or let me put it this way, the gospel is not there is a reward waiting for the greatest heroes of this world. The gospel is not there's a reward waiting for the great heroes of this world. The gospel is there is a great rescue available to all who are humble and weak. Now I've never been a lifeguard but I've been told that if you're a lifeguard, the greatest danger, the reason why lifeguards have to train so hard and they have to be, pass all these tests, uh, the greatest danger for a lifeguard is not the depth of the water. Uh, it's not the wind or the waves that might be splashing all around you. The greatest danger for the lifeguard is the drowner who won't stop struggling. Religion will tell you that heaven is the reward for the best swimmers out there. The gospel tells you, stop struggling. The gospel tells you, the, the, the good news, heaven is the rescue of a great lifeguard. And so relax. The worst thing you can do is to keep striving is to keep struggling, is to keep kicking, is to keep splashing. Religion says salvation is the reward for the greatest swimmers. And so the religious struggle hard to be better swimmers. But the gospel says salvation is rescue. And so Jesus looks at you and he says, relax. Rest in my arms. Relax. Cease the striving. Your salvation is not based on how well you swim. Your salvation is whether you can trust 
in the arms of the one who's come to rescue you. And so rest in his arms. Friends, do you see how different Christianity is from religion? Do you see how different this message of grace, the message of the gospel is different, even from the secular narratives of you need to get out there and hustle and win and achieve and have victory? Do you see that the, the powerful liberation that comes with saying, if this is true, then the best thing that I can do is to relax. Friends, where do you need to hear that today? Where are you kicking and splashing and struggling and striving? Where do you feel like it's up to you to make these things happen? Where do you need to hear Jesus say, hey, relax? It's actually way worse than you think it is. <laughs> so just, just stop. I'm the only one who can do this. And so relax. Where do you need to hear that? Are you struggling with fear? Are you crushed under guilt? Are you wrestling with shame? Are there anxieties that keep, not, keep you up at night? Is there resentment and bitterness? Where do you need Jesus to say, stop the striving? Just come and relax. Because friends, don't you see, do you get a, a taste of this? If that's the story of your life, if that's the story that defines you, not that you were the hero's journey, not that you were the hero in your own hero's tale, but if that's what defines you, that in the midst of your need for rescue, there was someone who came in purely out of grace, not because you deserved it, but came in by grace and rescued you. Do you see how that would change the soundtrack of your soul? Your song would probably sound a lot more like verse 23. He remembered us in our lowest state and delivered us from our enemies. Your soundtrack would probably be, sound a lot more like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So that's the first point. The song of redemption, the soundtrack of the Christian soul is fundamentally a song of rescue. And that means you can relax. Christian, update the playlist of your life. It will change everything. That's the first point. Secondly, I want to look at this. We looked at the song of rescue. Secondly, let's look at the echoes of love that we see in this psalm. Because that's the most obvious feature of this psalm, wasn't it? Even as Anna read it to us, didn't it get a little bit boring? Weren't you sitting there saying, oh my gosh, let's get on with it. Like Even when I just read it, did you notice I started to skip over it? Because like, all right, we get it, we get it. Like The monotony of it can be very, very tiresome. But don't you realize that the repetition of that phrase, his love endures forever, that is the entire point of the entire psalm. That it gets lost in the monotony for us because for us, newness means meaning, but oldness doesn't mean anything to us. But for the Hebrew mind, this repetition is what gets this rhythm into their bones. And here's the way that I like to look at it. Imagine that you are facing a tunnel, or you're looking down a well or a cave, or you're at the foot of this great mountain range. And you're looking down that tunnel wherever you are, and no matter what you shout into that tunnel, it's the same echo that comes back to you. That's remarkable. Isn't that something that will get your attention? And that's what this song is meant to do. It was probably sung with half the room singing the verse 
and then the other half echoing back his love endures forever. God did all, God part of the Red Sea, his love endures forever. God provided for us in the wilderness, his love endures forever. No matter what you shout at the mountaintops, the mountaintops respond to you simply by saying time and time again, his love endures forever. And that experience, I think, is the main point. That everything in this world, from the sun and the moon and the sky and the stars, the seas and the mountains, everything in this world is meant to be seen by us as overtures of God's enduring love for us. It means that there's a God who is a creator who's constantly trying to send you notes about how much he loves you. And we miss it time and again because we don't have the eyes to see. Have you ever been with a couple who just recently started to fall in love? It's all very sweet, but it's also a little bit gross. But they're always leaving notes for each other. They're always saying, reminding that no matter what, oh, I left you this egg in the morning with this little note just to remind you of how much I love you. Or maybe as a parent, a parent can leave a note in their kid's lunchbox and suddenly a bologna sandwich becomes an overture of a love that will endure all things. Christian, do you realize that all of creation is your father leaving notes for you? My love endures forever. My love never changes. My love will never give up on you. My love endures all things. Have you heard those overtures? Have you walked right past the notes that your Father in Heaven sends to you? Now you might hear that and you might say, you know, that's great, except when I look at my life, it's not really filled with a lot of wonders. It's actually filled with what feels like a lot more hardship. Life feels unfair to me. It feels like no matter what I do, I can't seem to get things together. That there's more coming at me than I ever feel like I deserved or could ever handle on my own. Maybe that's how you feel. Like, where are, God's, where are the overture, where are the notes that God is leaving me? And I want to point you back to this psalm. Look closely. If you could pull up verse 10. Every single episode that the psalmist writes about in, in Psalm 136 is not a moment where Israel experiences this amazing victory. Every single one is a story of Israel in the midst of suffering. So verse 10, if you could pull that up. Verses 10 through 12, he says, Remember when we were stuck for 400 years in captivity and oppression. His love endures forever. Verse 13 through 15, Remember the despair when we were trapped between the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt. Yeah, his love endures forever. Verse 16, remember 40 years in a wilderness of confusion and lostness and dryness. Yeah, his love endures forever there too. Or verse 17 through 22, remember the fear and the dread of having to battle these warring tribes of Canaan. Yes, his love endures forever. It's all the hard parts that the psalmist remembers. And he says it's in the hard parts that you'll discover a love that endures forever forever. A love that never gives up, that never fails. A love that chooses to endure all things. See, the literary effect of this would have been powerful, because remember, when is Israel usually singing this psalm? 
It's usually when they're journeying from their home and they're taking a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. And you can imagine as they're walking from home to Jerusalem and probably singing the psalm, maybe they have to teach their kids the lyrics by the time they get there so they could sing it with them. But they're on this journey, but along the way you can imagine them reliving the history of Israel. And every step that Israel takes, they stop and say, His love endures forever. And they take another 10 steps and they stop and they say his love endures forever. And you can imagine all these families, all these individuals coming from their homes and every step that they take, they're singing his love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Do you feel the power of that? Do you see what the psalmist is doing? He's taking this abstract belief that there is a God whose love endures and he's weaving it into your memory so that all that you remember are memories with the echo that says his love endures forever. Try that this week. Narrate your own story to yourself. And every sentence, say it out loud. His love endures forever. My parents immigrated from Korea right after the war. His love endures forever. I was born into a family that was so poor they had to send us back to Korea because they couldn't afford to raise us. His love endures forever. My father came down with kidney failure when I was in elementary school. His love endures forever. My father passed away when I was in college. His love endures forever. Jesus met me in my grief. His love endures forever. I met a wonderful wife. I have four great children. His love endures forever. Do you see what the... I want to challenge you. If you're here and you're a Christian, if you're here, you're not quite sure what you believe about faith, I want to challenge you. Would you do that exercise this week? Write chapters of your life in one quick sentence. And after that, every time say, His love endures forever. It will reweave the narrative of your soul. It will reprogram the soundtrack of your heart. That's the point of this. It's supposed to bore us so much that we can't not think about it, that it gets into our bones. His love endures forever. And don't skip the hard parts. His love endures forever. It's the echoes of God's love. Every step you took, every turn you took, every moment you felt lost, every time you felt like you were in the darkness, there were echoes of God's love ringing from the mountains saying, my love endures forever. Notes from your Father to remind you that He has not left you. Third and finally, so we looked at the song of rescue. Secondly, we looked at the echoes of love. Third, let's look at the love that endures forever. Because there was one night in particular where this psalm was sung. And that promise, His love endures forever, that promise was put to the ultimate test. It was a night when a young man celebrated what would end up being his final Passover meal with his 12 closest friends in a borrowed room. And after they had finished the meal, we're actually told in Matthew chapter 26 and also again in Mark chapter 14, after they finished the meal, those two verses, Matthew 26, 30, and Mark 14, 26, say this. They said, after they finished eating, they sang a hymn and got up and went to the garden. 
What song do you think they sang that night? What was that last song that Jesus sang with his 12 disciples on that last Passover meal? It had to be this one. The song that concluded all the Passover meals, the great Hallel. And so Jesus, as he walks out of that room with his 12 disciples, what's the song that's stuck in his head? He cannot get the tune out of his head. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. That as Jesus walks to Gethsemane where he'll cry out to God, let this cup pass. The song that's stuck in his heart is a song that says his love endures forever. As Jesus got up because the guards came to arrest him, he hears in his heart his love endures forever. As Jesus faces a trial, an unjust trial that lasts overnight, he hears in the midst of all those accusations his love endures forever. As Jesus is beaten by the guards, a crown of thorns placed upon his head, his love endures forever. As he walks every step up the hill of Calvary, he hears at every turn his love endures forever. His love endures forever. As Jesus is nailed up on a Roman cross, his love endures forever. As Jesus breathed his last, his love endures forever. Even as Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The song in his heart is his love endures forever. Why? Jesus wanted you to know that God's love would endure even this. When God's love meant that he had to come and take your place, when God's love meant that he had to come and lay down his life, when God's love meant that he had to come and suffer the just consequences of your sins, he wanted you to know, yes, it will endure even this. And the great hero of the entire story of the Bible, the great hero of the ballad of the song of redemption, hangs on a cross, weak, humiliated, of low estate. And he says, relax. Relax. Only I am strong enough to redeem you from your sin. Friends, if we can see Jesus showing, this, showing us this love that endures all things, what's left for us to do? All we can do is stand and wonder and go back to verse 1 of this very psalm and say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The great Hallel. So friends, as we prepare to approach his table, let the song of God's redemption, let the song of God's rescue, let the echoes of his love fill your mind and your heart. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would show us the stories that we're living out. Show us the songs that we're singing to ourselves. Show us the ways that we've tried to make ourselves the hero 
of our own stories. Show us the burden that creates. Show us how crushing that is. Show us how impossible that kind of life is. And Lord, right now, even as we come before you to confess, before we approach your table, Lord, show us that we can relax, that we have a great Savior, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Lord, show us that wretchedness, not because we're here to beat ourselves up, but show us that wretchedness so that we can learn to relax and to know that there was a Savior, a King, who won this victory for us, who took on our humiliation, who walked every step to show us that his love would endure even this. So we'll fix our eyes on him right now. Let's just take the next few moments in a time of uh, silent confession as we do each week. Uh, What do you need to bring before God in confession? Where do you need to lay down strivings and fears? Where do you need God to re-narrate some part of your life, some challenge, some challenging memory? Come and confess before God. So take a few moments now. Interact. Do business with God right now on your own before we come to uh, his table. So let's confess before him. Lord, we, we lay it down. Whatever it is that we just prayed through in the silence of our hearts. Lord, we we laid the struggle down. The struggle to prove ourselves. The struggle to always be right. The struggle to be good. The struggle to be successful. The struggle to prove others wrong. But right now, help us to lay it down. That we could stop the kicking and the flailing, the struggling and the striving. And instead, we can rest in your arms. And so, Lord, we repent of those things. We turn away from them. We see how uh, uh, futile they are. And instead, we return to Jesus and we say, here is a love that endures forever. Here's a love that endures all things. Here's the one place, the one love where I can finally relax. Lord, help us to meet, help meet us there precisely, Lord place of our weakness. Come and be our rescuer. Put on our lips a rescue song and put in our ears the relentless echo of this love that will never fail us ever. So we return to you and we return in faith. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeemer East Harlem Podcast. For more information on our church, and how you can support what God is doing through our church, go to www.reh.nyc.